There's a place here at the table Your coats go by the door You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor I hope you wore elastic Cause your waistband's gonna get tight Take time's done, we're having a night Hi guys, I'm Sophie And I'm Ari and you're listening to having a guys. It's really hard to record over Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, what did you eat this week? Oh my god! Okay, after our chip hour last week, Harry had spent the entire chip hour making this incredible soup—a squash soup. He peeled a butternut squash and you know took out the insides, cut it into big chunks. He sautéed a bunch of onions, ginger, garlic, and jalapenos. It was either jalapeno or bird's eye. I wasn't there for the Mm -hmm. chopping, so I couldn't tell you. Then added the squash, added broth. I had had a dashi that I recommended he use and said he used a vegetable broth. It's all. Okay. Um, Then cooked that, cooked that, cooked that, and then added in some chili powder, I think, maybe like a Korean chili powder and coconut milk. Mm. And cooked that for like another 10 minutes, served it with cilantro and like sliced chilies. It was so good. And I sometimes forget like how fulfilling a a bowl of soup is, like a bowl of soup with a piece of toast and butter. Oh my God. And it was just so, it hit all those flavor profiles of like, it was, it was like unctuous because of the coconut milk. Mm. It had a lot of body because of the squash. It had the heat of the ginger. It had, it was just... Oh, made my heart sing. That's awesome. That's so funny you say that too about the bread and the butter and the soup. That's exactly what I've been craving. Ever since it kind of got cold and rainy here in New York, I've all I've wanted is like to curl up with a blanket and a big bowl of soup and a piece of crusty bread. Speaking of chip hour last week, uh, after chip hour, I uh, attempted to cook. I think I made some pasta, but I uh, was grating some cheese and I got like particularly bombed on last week's chip hour. I don't know how or why, but I did. Um, and I looked down and realized that I was grating the cheese with microplane They make tools for the hands and feet. So I looked down and realized that I was grating cheese with a like a, uh, a callus scraper. You can't. I know. <laughs> like a callus remover. Like Listen, the, in your yeah. defense, they look very similar. And by very similar, I mean they're the exact same. And before our listeners start coming at Ari being like, that's disgusting, guys, it's metal. You clean it off with hot soap and water. Calm down. It's definitely clean. It was more like- <laughs> so funny. I'm in the middle of moving, so maybe that's how it got into the kitchen vicinity. But like I-, I when I first bought that thing, I was like, oh, wow, it's by Microplane. Interesting. I didn't know there was cro- some crossover there. <laughs> now, it's funny that you bring this up because my father and I have been discussing one of the design flaws of the Microplane. So when Microplane first started making stuff for food, mm-hmm. it was flat and then the sides were flat as well. Now the top is flat, obviously, and then the sides are angled in. So like huh. when you grate ginger. When you grate anything on it, it gets stuck in the sides. You can't clean it out. It is a major design flaw. Microplane, can we talk about this? Oh my God. Hashtag 
hashtag microplane. I am adding the microplane right now. Yeah. The one that's like the long one, the one that's like, it has a handle and yes. then sort of like eight inches of yeah. your plane. <laughs> Dirty. <laughs> it's a real design flaw. It's very upsetting. Every time I go to clean it, I'm like, fuck. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Okay, guys. This episode is so special. Ari and I are so excited about airing this one. This is all about the community fridge movement. And we have these two amazing women, Selma Raven and Sarah Allen, joining us. They run the Friendly Fridge in the Bronx, which is part of the community fridge movement. So the community fridge movement, you can read about it in New York Magazine. You can read about it in the New York Times. But it's basically a mutual aid movement That is exactly what it sounds like. It's free food for the people in your neighborhood or the people not in your neighborhood, the people who are passing through with a real emphasis on fresh fruits and fresh vegetables and reducing food waste. I mean, things that obviously Ari and I are intensely passionate about. Yes. And it's almost like the fridge version of like, take a penny, leave a penny. Mm-hmm. That you, totally. anyone can take from the fridge and yeah. people in the community are encouraged to put back into the fridge. And the thing that I didn't know about the community fridge movement is that there, it is not, it's not like owned or regulated by a larger company or group. It is just individuals who do this. And I, that's what makes it so amazing. It's a brilliant idea to help reduce food waste and food insecurity. It's just wild. And I think this movement is so encouraging and inspiring. And we're just really, really happy that we got to talk to Selma and Sarah. So enjoy and we'll see you on the other side. Yes. We're so happy to talk to you and to talk about this movement that I feel like when I first read about it, I was, I'm so excited. Just the fact, this idea of mutual aid and the way that it's taking place all across the city in a time when people are in such desperate, dire need of not just help, but feeling like they're seen and cared for. And so I would just love for you guys to talk a little bit about the community fridge movement as a whole, but also how you got involved with it just to, to kind of kick things off. We kind of wanted to do something during the pandemic. We were both home working remotely and we live right on Broadway, buses were full, care workers, delivery kids. It was just completely different from everything else. And Sarah saw the Instagram post about the first Harlem fridge. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was, it really was close to my heart. My son, Michael, who died seven years ago, um, was a f- huge food activist. He mm-hmm. was really big about food injustice, especially in the Bronx. And he was big on urban farms, community gardens. He got us doing all that kind of work in Governor's Island, in a lot of you know community gardens in New York City. So Sarah bought the fridge that night, I think, on Craigslist. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we, were, we didn't think it through. We were like, you know what? We can do this. Why not? Yeah. And we called Thaddeus from Brooklyn, and that's how it began. This happened on May 18th, and within an hour and a half of discussion, actually, we saw the yes. fridge at 8.30 at night. Um, it was the Harlem Fridge, and it's run by a woman named Shade, a friend of mine from a while ago in Harlem. And I showed it to her, and we started talking about it. She said, we can do this. So this, we literally put the cart in front of the horse. Yes. We both we figured. We found it on Craigslist, brought it the next day, and had to go find a place to plug it in. We found that two days later. 
What did you do with the fridge before you found a place to plug it in? We, yeah. we, we told him, we said, don't deliver it. He said, is it the ground floor? I'm like, um, yeah, it's the sidewalk, but we, we'll talk about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then we went door to door asking permission, you know, just got a few no's. And then the restaurant said, yes, sure. Yeah, we and, actually got three no's. Mm-hmm. One, not tonight. Two, no. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one, immediate. Yes, let's yeah. do it. And he wow. said so quickly that we went back the next day to make sure that he knew what we were doing. And his family is deeply involved in the Riverdale community. And he recognized the need. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, this is a restaurant bar. And so it's right on Broadway at the corner of 242nd. And so we wanted to make sure he knew what he was getting into because we didn't really know what we were getting into. And he said, <laughs> yes, then it was, not, it was awesome. Yeah. It's so incredible because I feel like we're living in a time when we're all trying to do as much as we can, but especially living in a city, it can feel like there are so many steps and it's such an indirect process to to help anyone. So I I just can only imagine how gratifying it felt, like how quickly you were able to get this done. And it's just such a simple, beautiful idea. It is like that. It is mutual aid. It's just it's all run by volunteers and it's not regulated by anyone. It doesn't have, it's not checked by anyone. I think it's just, it's so simple and helpful and immediate, the help and the care the community is receiving and the gratification that the people who are putting things into the fridge, it's a beautiful thing. It, it really, it really is. It's four months now and it really is mutual aid. It is no policing. It is not charity. It's people giving and taking. The same mm-hmm. people who take are also dropping things off. We are not food justice people. We are in a completely different field. But we both wish we could like give up our jobs that we do love and just do this all day long because it's really right. gratifying. Coming into this, not knowing anything about this other than knowing how to grocery shop very cheaply if we need right. to. It's having fresh eyes, looking at a situation that's been going on for a very, very long time. It's been very eye-opening. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the things that we're learning. What were the things that made you suddenly look at food injustice? I mean, Selma, obviously it sounds like your son was already involved, so you guys were probably aware of it through that, but what was the moment or what was the thing that made you say, oh my God, this is what's actually going on in our city, in our country where, you know, 30 to 40% of food gets thrown away. Like what, was there a light bulb moment for you guys or? One were statistic number. Yeah. So numbers are very boring when you see them at face, but when you see the, see them in a story form, yeah. when you're on the subway train and you see 12 people on the subway with you, three of those people are likely to be suffering some type of food insecurity. So it's one in four New Yorkers and one in six Americans. Also, if you look at the numbers last year in 2019, we had about 36 million people who suffered food insecurity. This year, 2020, it's 56 million. It yeah, jumped up that the numbers. The num- but we also have a 30% waste issue in this country. Yeah. So if you just sit there and think about that, yeah. That's, yeah. that's mind-blowing. But there was another moment where I suddenly realized that what we were doing was different. Someone asked me, do you consider this a form of anarchy? And I'll be very frank with you, I've never considered putting any type of label on myself or her anarchy. When you think anarchy, you, you think certain things. They, right. The anarchy cookbook, or you, you just, they're not necessarily the most positive association with it. Right. I responded to that person and I said, 
if you consider us putting refrigerator on the sidewalk and making sure that the neighbors have something to eat at night, a form of anarchy, then I guess you're going to have to call me an anarchist. Yeah. You're going to have to call this anarchist. Otherwise, no. The interesting distinction between mutual aid and charity, and Mm -hmm. I think that actually people, particularly in this city, in a city that is obviously, you know, a shrine to capitalism, it's... People are so uncomfortable with that distinction, right? It's like charity is something that rich people do for not so rich people. And it's an us versus a them. And it's like, you know, it makes the people who are giving money away feel better about themselves. And mutual aid is saying, there's not an us, there's not a them. Sometimes I need help. Sometimes you need help, but we're in a community together. And so why are we not all helping each other? Right. And I know that the guy who started it does label himself as an anarchist, but it's also, it's interesting that people feel the need to say, oh, that's, that's sort of anarchic, that you're doing it that way. And it's like, just because there's not a power center doesn't make it anarchic. It just actually makes it kind, you yes. know? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, or not wasting food. No, yeah. That's, yeah. That's not a big issue. I mean, you think about that's a, that right there is such a basic idea that, to your earlier point, it's so basic that it works. It's yeah. so basic. Yeah. And I, I know from, I, you know, in my 20s, I used to work at a restaurant and the stuff that we would throw out, I've become, I have such a phobia with food waste. Like I Me too. turn my leftovers into everything day after day after day. Okay. I just... Yeah, I can't. I can't handle it. I mean, even just like untouched bread, bread rolls on the table, no one touch it. It has to go in the trash. It's just, and I feel like I've talked to people who have tried to start kind of more elaborate businesses with collecting food waste from restaurants. Yeah. And there's so many regulations you have to go through and it's, it's impossible. So the fact that there's this loophole that you can just put a fridge on the street and put food in it, and you know maybe the police or the FDA or whoever is just kind of turning up a, a well, blind you know, eye. Yeah, it's interesting because we've learned all about the Good Samaritan law yeah. now. You know, oh. we remind people, we print things out if anyone's questioning. We live right uh, maybe a block away from the fridge intentionally, so so we check, sanitize, check products, write label, you know, write things on. We check twice a day when I come home from work. I check. We do it in the morning and nights. Uh, in the middle of the day when we can, we drag others to do it, you know, volunteers when we can get them. But um, there is so much that we can do. We have grown from five fridges to like 54. Wow. You know, so so yeah. it's not even a loophole. It's something that, and the food, I mean, if we, cons- if we knew that it, it says expiration in one day, if you give it to us or give it to any fridge, someone will take it today. Yeah. yeah. There'll be no way. Nothing goes to waste. We compost everything that isn't pretty looking. That's if we awesome. can't cook it and make it a stew, then we compost it, you know? So right. it's yeah. really, it's taught us a lot. How has it changed your relationship to your own food waste? Like, do you notice that you're buying very differently, that you're cooking differently? Tell me about your relationship to it. I think we've become really much more conscious. I mean, I will even, we'll walk by a restaurant and we'll even pop in and say, hey, we're Salma and Sarah from the Friendly Fridge. We have containers. If you have anything that you'd like to donate to the fridge, we're happy to pick it up. We also, like the last time, a lot of kohlrabi and uh, turnips did not go. Sarah made it into this big stew. It did not look pretty, I must yeah. say. It did not look good. We're putting garlic and but then we put them in mason jars, we labeled them. It didn't taste bad, it just didn't look great. 
but right. they all went in one day, all of them went. And we are so much more conscious. We're like, what are we going to, what are we going to be able to do with this? Can we do that? Somebody gave a kazuga squash. It looked weird. Huh? <laughs> and we found a recipe from the Riverdale Temple. They were putting out a newsletter and it was great. You know? So we, we are really more conscious about food waste and we've got a composting center. Our fridges, we started composting everything that doesn't go and we can't cook. And we're hoping all the fridges will also do that, you know, so. So do you guys compost? Is There's a composting center nearby, so you guys can just go and drop off your food scraps? Right. We don't have a car, so we walk there with the dog. Right. The big garbage bag. And and it's great. It's the James Baldwin um, Outdoor Learning Center right in the Bronx that we, mm. again, connected to through one of my son's friends. It was, again, a weird coincidence in this journey. We bump into this man who also knew my son seven years ago in the community garden effort, which was a strange coincidence. And so we started composting with him. There's been a number of strange coincidences. Yeah. Related back to Michael. Yeah. He was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was a believer in we should be having gardens all over and growing food. That's how we can, you know, really be independent and really, really feed people healthy food. So that's going to be our next mission, you know, to get involved with gardens. So. Yeah. One thing I want to touch upon is, we were talking earlier about um, going to restaurants and that also leads to grocery stores. So when you go to a grocery store, like a shop and stop or food town or other larger chain, it's very hard to get basically a general manager or manager to commit to giving you food because A, they're salaried employees. They don't have any type of ownership. They don't have an investment in the grocery store. Right. So it's the smaller stores, it's the smaller restaurants who acknowledge the Good Samaritan law and say, right. right, because the key is we're not selling the food. We're not reselling the food. Yeah. So no one is on the line for if something True. happens with that. And yeah. that's a very distinct difference, but it's subtle enough where people don't understand that. Yeah. Part of what I think is so amazing about the community fridge movement is actually the fact that we're living in this time where it feels impossible to make a difference. I mean, yeah. I could cry over what's going on with the Supreme Court right now. Like it yeah. is so intense. And so to actually find a movement where you can make such a huge difference in so many people's lives so easily is really moving. And so sort of like the policy all exists and it feels like that is so difficult for us to touch. But at the same time, you guys have found this way of making huge strides outside of government. You're right. Like outside of policy. Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point because we have actually said to each other several times, could we have done this had the pandemic not happened? Mm -hmm. Time-wise, right? Time-wise and frankly, Everyone was so desperate for something to get to be a part of. Right. Yeah. That yeah. It, it was almost perfect timing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unfortunately, yes, that it was the yeah. time to even think about where our lives are going. What are we doing? You know, we're seeing all this hunger everywhere. We see these school lunches that kids, like I would be in a remote session with a kid and I'm seeing this bag lunch and I'm thinking, my God, that's the lunch, you know. We right. need to get fresh produce in these fridges. We just, that's yes. us. Focus. So, and so actually going off of that and clearly off of something that your son, it sounds like, was really passionate about, I just like want to address the fact that food insecurity doesn't just mean not having access to food, but it also means, of course, food deserts, Mm -hmm. not having access to healthy food. Like, Mm -hmm. so the fact that you guys are putting fresh produce, fresh meals, 
in these in in a refrigerator and saying, "Come and take it because it's your right." Yeah, that has been the most humbling thing we've had. We have this woman come by and say, "I love coming to this fridge. It's always I can always get celery. I can always get peppers. That's what I'm looking for." And she even she's the one who said to us, um, "Hunger has no name." You know, and she, and she was like in her 70s and she was just picking through the veggies and just taking a few of everything. And she talked about being called stone soup. You know, the old preschool. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. She said, it's all I need. And she and it, it was really it was really interesting because we put all our efforts in trying to get, you know, con- you know connect with farmers markets, youth farm stands, anything yeah. that's going to give us fresh produce. Even when we get donations, that's what we are looking for. We do want to put some desserts in. We were reprimanded recently that <laughs> like goodies, you know, like, <laughs> like junk food. So, so when people want to donate pirate booty, we're like, yeah, bring it, bring it. <laughs> you know, initially I was like, no. No, yeah, you guys really. just start building out, have the fridge, then the community pantry is next to it with all the pirate booty. We do have shelves now. We have shelves. So we've been putting some shelf-stable foods. Initially we were kind of, other righteous, like, oh no, only fresh produce. But people were asking for rice, beans. We talked to people at the refrigerator mm-hmm. every day. And they're like, oh, do you have any beans, any dried beans, not the cans, but the dried beans? Right. So we got into doing that. So and we've had a few donations about baby food. Which is, mm. yeah. which is great. Because, yeah, someone brought up the yeah. point of maybe we can make baby food, but, you know, someone said, I don't know that I would feel comfortable taking homemade baby food. So, yeah. Right. That's all right. There's some fine lines there about. Yeah what we put out there. Right. But it's also like, it's yours, you know, it's like you guys started it. And so it's kind of okay to try a bunch of things and see what sticks. Yeah. Which is so cool. We've we've tried different things like sandwiches at night for people who have no kitchens. A lot of bananas. Bananas are a huge hit because it's so portable and anyone can take a few bananas. We haven't got the right formula, but sometimes it's like, yes, it worked. And sometimes it's like, okay, this, yeah, you know, <laughs> no more called Robbie. That's, and yeah. like, did you get actual complaints or did they just, no, they, they didn't go. So we were eating called Robbie for a few days after that, you know, <laughs> grilling it. Roast a lot on your digestive system. <laughs> my, my, my daughter, 20, she's 23, she moved in, she's like, Oh God, fridge <laughs> air. I'm like, oh, it's delicious. <laughs> so how long do you give something without an expiration date, like a bunch of kale or kohlrabi? How many days do you leave it in there until you say, ah, I don't know if anyone's going to take this? Yeah, it depends yeah. on how fresh it is. I mean, if it's rotting, it goes into a uh, pamper. Yeah. Yeah. But- it, most of it, right now, the fridge gets emptied about two or three times a day. Yeah, it's gotten worse. Yeah, it's gotten worse. Wow, wow. We, yeah. we could fill it in the morning at one point and still have things in the mid-afternoon, evening. But now the it's it's really it's really been tough. We had one day when we were both super busy and we had one of our regulars. We saw him on the street. He's like, what happened? It's empty. More people know about the fridge. Yeah. How Sorry, much Koga. time do you guys spend at the fridge a day? Or how many times a day are you guys checking it? In general, twice a day, but sometimes more, depending on it's a big delivery or we're getting donations or we know what's happening. So it depends. But uh, we just recently had a young man who's been taking from the fridge and we offered to, we asked him, do you want to be part of it and help clean it? So he's been coming over to clean it and doing things mm-hmm. like that. So the whole block has become 
has started owning the fridge now, which is exactly that's perfect. Yeah, yeah, we've really, really made quite a community around the refrigerator. Yeah. We've been the cab drivers all know our name, and yeah. right, it's awesome. And we'll walk down the street and see the barber say, "Hey." We saw so and so on the fridge today. We're like, okay, great. It's like we have conversations. <laughs> yeah, about it's so it's so it's strange. Awesome. Yeah, it is. And and even the deli owner recently, it was really empty, and I was rushing home from work. I I grab I went stop by to get some coffee, and he says, wait a second, and he starts putting. They have like prepared foods, mashed potatoes, chicken. He says, wait a second, I want to give you something, and, oh. he, and I said, oh. Um, he said, I, I heard it's empty. And he just starts piling mashed potatoes, chicken, and he gives me like seven huge. I was like, you're kidding. I said, let me just pay for some of it. And he was like, no, 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 no. Put it in the fridge, please. It's humbled us. It really, the stories around the fridge of the people receiving the food and even people donating the food. We've had some real, I mean, we're just touched by everything and we're glad we are in this movement. We really are. We're also noticing um, you know, when we first put the refrigerator up, we realized that there are so many people that really want to help. They don't know how to help. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So really, all we did, all we really did is create the space for it. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. people are showing up in different ways. We have a couple of moms, uh, moms feed the Bronx. They're making yeah. soup. We put in the fridge. We had uh, three young girls who were part of um, a coding group that raised money. Mm-hmm. I think they're 12, 13, and 15. Oh, yeah. And they donated burritos. Yeah. I think it was like 40 burritos every week. Uh, yeah. Their mom would drive them down, <laughs> and they'd drop them off, <laughs> and they'd wave, and then they'd leave. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So we had two young men made, they had a, a sandwich challenge. They made 115 sandwiches. We have a lot of financial donations from people who don't feel comfortable coming to the fridge, which is totally fine, but need that to buy produce from farmer's market and local uh, mm-hmm. uh, vegetable vendors. It, it could come in yeah. all forms. We have people who drop off one banana. Yeah. And we have some people who drop off four boxes of stuff. And it all counts and it all matters and it's all a part of it. It, it all counts. It all counts. We have a young man who always gives, puts in half a bacon, egg, and cheese. Initially, I, <laughs> I said, Chris, I said, Chris, I, I'm not sure. We need to, he, and while I was talking to him, somebody walked up to the fridge, looks around, takes that, opens it and eats it. <laughs> and Chris says to me, you see, you don't know everything. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything, you know? So, yes. You don't know. That anything. was my next question. Like, can you drop off a half eaten? You know, we have like half a roast chicken. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, the two the- blocks, uh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I know. And you know, I, like, if you see food that's really messy and just thrown in, yeah. we'll smell it. We date it. Every day we date the foods. And, and I am so surprised. I remember the turkey legs? Somebody dropped off these humongous turkey legs. And I'm like, okay, I'm not sure this is going to go. By that evening, it was gone. We had mocked, we had mocked, you know, labeled it, and it was gone in, by the evening. So, And part of what's also interesting to me is, like, I think a lot of people are so prissy in their thinking about sharing food, about mm-hmm. leaving food somewhere. Like, this thought of, like, oh, but... No, if I put that in, nobody's going to eat it. And it's like, of course they will, because not only are they hungry, but also there's nothing wrong with sharing food with a person that you don't know. People have been coming together over food for millennia. So this is just a different form of that. Yeah. No, it, it really, it's, it's true. It's true. People do have some, some shade. Even in the beginning, remember with the burritos, the burritos arrived from these girls. I took one and I'm, t- I'm eating it. And the cab driver was like, wait, you took it from the fridge? I'm like, 
yes, it looks good. It tastes good. This is, if you want, if you're hungry, you take it. And even though they are struggling cab drivers, they still have that whole idea. Then we, I just recently, through my daughter, we learned about mutual aid charity. I said, listen, this is take what you can. If you're hungry, take it. And Mohammed yeah. has been taking things every day now. Mm-hmm. He needs milk. He needs some kale. He'll take it. But he needed almost permission. Right. Mm-hmm. For everyone. It's a community fridge. It's not our fridge. It's everyone's fridge, you know. So. There's, there's an element of shame. Yeah. 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 For sure. There's a of shame. And there's been a few incidences where... We saw someone approach the fridge to make sure that people weren't looking for it. And I think over time, if they see people participating, they see people saying, you know, I, I'm just going to take a few things. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take it. Take it. You create, you yeah. create an atmosphere. I mean, I can't, we can't be there for everyone coming to the fridge, but my hope is that if this becomes normalized. Yeah. You know? right. And that also goes back to why we go every day to clean it, because we want it to look like your mom's refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. We want it to look like it's it's clean. It should be clean, yeah. but it should be a comfortable experience for anyone coming to the refrigerator yeah. to get food that you need. So for any listeners that we have that maybe are really taken by this idea who maybe want to start a fridge of their own, first of all, do you think that this is unique to New York or do you think like this idea could work anywhere? And are there any ways that you think a person could just kind of get up and running? Because it seems like you guys got up and running so fast. But, but you know what? I think we were really lucky because there have been people who've been experiencing some difficulty. You've got to find the right host. There has to be like 12 feet in front of the fridge. You've got to find a, a place where the need also coincides with the ability of the person maintaining the fridge. Yeah. Like, so you, you, you can't just decide you want to put it in, in, a very, in an area that needs it but then you live somewhere else it's just right. not it's not possible for those fridges no. but we had a, a teacher recently looking to start a fridge in Mohaven they really need one in that side of the Bronx but he lives in Manhattan mm-hmm. so we are trying to connect him with other people we may know in that area but I think right. it's important to live pretty close to the fridge you know and yeah. but we have a lot of stuff now which we didn't know about it's come about as a result of the movement, you know, document on how to ask a host and what to do. We just went and bought the fridge and, and plugged it in. So there, you know, <laughs> it was not the ideal idea, but we, we were really lucky. We have, a, yeah, we were lucky because it, it's four months now and we're now looking, you know, it's growing and it's, but it's, it's doable. I think oh, yeah. it's doable. Yeah. But now we have at least some paperwork and documents to give any of your listeners who might be interested, you know, Yes, yes. Because I have, I think I have access to all of those documents. So if listeners are interested, I will definitely pass that Mm -hmm. along. Because I do think it's like, there is food insecurity all over this country, obviously. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not just in New York. We just happen to all be living here and we see it every day. It depends on the community you live in, too. Mm Yeah. So for here on the block, we're we're right at the last stop of the one train. Yeah. So we know our community, we know, like, it's it's a... Largely Hispanic, some Arabic, and a mix of others. But out in Flushing, we might have a different type of population. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It depends on what they're looking for. And it also depends on the community uh, resources. So yeah. we live in an interesting area because there's a lot of money not too far from here. And the area we're in is more on the working class side. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then other areas may have a very large population of support, you know, like a community temple or churches or organizations that can get behind this refrigerator and yeah. provide a sustained amount of donation, both financial and grocery. 
Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's really depends on, you know, your best practices may not be someone else's best practices. Right. To me, the only thing you need to do is make sure you keep the thing clean. Pretty much it. And also looking, what has become difficult for us, I find, is also just sustained donations. Yeah. You know, that has been, we, we do this almost every day, writing to people, calling people, asking, you know, writing to, uh, one of the things I think all the fridge people do is you're walking down the street and you're taking pictures of food trucks <laughs> and then calling them and saying, hey, you know what, are you interested? <laughs> and sometimes yeah. like, well, we don't know anything about this. And we walk into restaurants and say, hey, even today I walked into Becafitos. I'm like, what do you do with all the bakery things at the end of the day? I'm happy to pick them up. And she said, come to, our, come to the owner tomorrow. He's very kind. Come and talk to him and tell him what you guys do. And I'm like, I'll be here. So that's how so much of our donations, you know, yeah. just to ask. I think it's sometimes it's shameless because we're asking like everyone. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Because yeah. some days are harder, you know, we don't get anything. So. We actually went on a, a much-needed getaway up to Newport, and we had dinner at this beautiful restaurant, and afterwards we walked out, and we found out that the woman who made the dessert at this place was standing out there, and we started talking, and she mentioned that she was from New York. We are like, hey, have you heard about the refrigerator? <laughs> <laughs> I know, we have. She had yeah. yeah. so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It's awesome. And for all of our listeners who haven't seen one, the most of the ones that I've seen are so beautiful and they are different colors and, you know, there's like some kind of, whether it's like a graffiti artist has done something or they're just painted. So, And some of them are just like a white fridge somewhere. But I, I think they pop and they stand out and it looks like, I don't know, it catches your eye when you walk by and you're like... Is that what I think it is? Yeah. You know, if you've never heard of it, you're kind of like, wait a second, free food. What does that mean? It's like you have a village mentality. That's it. Yeah. You know, That's which is what we all want. <laughs> well, our fridge has the, she purposely asked for a fist in solidarity. Mm. So it's a purple fist with a carrot. Nice. <laughs> And the artist is a Bronx local woman artist. And when we try to pay her, she's like, no, I'm going to paint this for free. And if you have any other fridges, I'm going to paint it. Laura Alvarez from Bronx Art Factory. I was like, really? So she's painted like four, yeah, I think, four fridges five. from you know, different people. Well, I feel like we've covered so much ground and this has been really, really informative and so amazing. And I think so many of our listeners will just be so excited to hear about this and be like, oh my God, a way that I can help in these turbulent times just to sort of tie the whole thing in a bow i don't even know but um what was your guys' experience of food sharing food generosity through food growing up before you started the community fridge like how did you i don't know like what was your experience like i grew up in i was born and raised in africa where nobody knew about germs so you ate you broke things off in a bus you shared it with people Right before the pandemic, Sarah and I went to Brazil. We we belonged to an all-women drumline. We are drummers. <gasps> oh, that is so weird. cool. Okay, we, great. That's a whole other episode. Yeah, that's a, so we were drumming in Brazil. We were invited by Gida for Carnival. So we take our drums and we are like super excited. And when you are there drumming for hours, for you're like drinking and passing the bottle. And, and right. I'm, not liquor. I'm talking about like this water pipe, whatever. <laughs> You know, eating out of, I mean, we shared so much with oh, no yeah. phobias or anything, you know? Yeah. yeah, and I was raised by a single mom. So we, were, we I was in a household where you went shopping on the weekend to every store for like day-old bread. And, and we weren't poor, but we definitely had to wash our money. So 
I was so happy to do something like this. Yeah. Too many households are one paycheck away from being in big trouble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And people have said that to us at the fridge, the woman who works full-time as a home attendant, another woman as a nurse's assistant, 20 years working in the same place said, I don't have enough food. I'm so glad I can come here. We're also learning about networking with other organizations that have already been knee-deep and that we just received a donation from um, the Right to Shower. Oh, what's that? No. It's the Right to, the right to Shower. It's an organization that has mobile truck that drive around the city with showers. You've probably seen them but didn't register what it was. And they basically yeah. have showers. It's almost like a movie set trailer, but they have yeah. showers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen it. It's called the right to shower. And they sent us a whole bunch of uh, like um, body shampoos. Oh, that's great. The different refrigerators. Yeah. So they are organizations that are knee deep in this. They're boots on the ground. So yeah. we're making yeah. those connections. And yeah. it's amazing. It's amazing. People yeah. really care. Yeah. They do. They really care. And I feel like, I mean, I do feel like this pandemic has been obviously so frightening in so many ways, but also so many wonderful things have come out of it. And I feel like part of it is just seeing actually how much people are willing to go out on a limb to help people in their community. And so you have a community, you have a Google map that has all the fridges now, right? I think I sent it to you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people can literally check it out and say, oh, it's right down my block. Let me drop off the food in here, you know. We'll definitely share that also on our on our silly, yes. very silly Instagram. It will be nice to have some. Oh, some but we're not always. Left. People will love it. We, yeah. We get, oh no. We get serious. I feel like we have so many listeners and like loyal fans in Australia. Just watch. We're someone's going to have like the first community fridge in Australia. Wouldn't that be cool? See, yeah. In Brazil, they interviewed us, somebody from Brazil and somebody from Japan, and they want to start fridges there. That's I don't awesome. know where they go, but I'm hoping that, you know, because yeah. there's hunger everywhere. There's hunger, real oh, hunger. Imagine normalizing it so much that you go out for dinner, and when you leave the restaurant, you look on your phone, like, okay, there's a refrigerator over there, I'm going to drop these leftovers, I'm going to drop this extra thing I got, and you drop it off, and you go home and watch the movie. Like, me. imagine That's that. what it should yes. be. Yes, that's what it should be. That's what it should be, you know? Wow. I take me back to recording with those two women because I I felt so hopeful and feel so hopeful listening to it again. Like they what an incredible movement and a great way to kind of help make a change. So yeah. often we feel so helpless, like we cannot do anything for our communities. But this is it's they're just they're incredible. I'm speechless. It makes yeah. me want to run out and like find a fridge right now. It's one of my favorite episodes that we've done because exactly, it's so inspiring. It's so hopeful. But the point is also like, guys, we can all do this. Like we can all make a difference. Yes. We can all do things. Yes. That it's not hard. Exactly. And it's like, what is, what feels like a small gesture is such a massive thing to someone else. Exactly. And which is not to say that like buying a fridge and like doing all of these things is small. It's huge actually. But, you know, I think it's just... Uh, it's inspiring. And especially in these times when it feels like it's so hard to make a difference and to have your voice heard. It's not like just an idea. It's a thing that, that is happening. It's not a Ted talk. It's not a book. It's not an abstract solution. It is, it is a, a a solution. (laughs) Well, and part of what I'm so interested in is this idea. Like I I think so much about mutual aid versus charity and this idea of like, that it's an actual thing. It's not, an organization that has a board and the president right. of the board does this and the director of the board, it's 
it is so direct. It is one person touching another person's lives Mm -hmm. and another person's life and vice versa. And that is so much fucking cooler. Oh my God. Yeah. So we we hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did. Please go out and support the community fridges in your neighborhood. Maybe think about starting one. Yes. Guys, if you have any questions about starting a community fridge, please email us or DM us on Instagram and we will hook you up with people who have started community fridges. They can answer any and all of your questions. Selma is super, super open to talking to people uh, and really wants to help get the movement off the ground. So please hit us up if you're curious. And next time you, you know, maybe make too much squash soup instead of throwing it down the drain, just look up where's the the nearest community fridge and go pop it in there. It'll make you feel so much better. Well, in my neighborhood, I do a lot of like, cause I have, there's a lot of homeless people in my neighborhood right now. So usually if I have leftovers or like if I went to a restaurant, there are leftovers, I'll usually just try to give them to a person directly. But this is like such a more massive way of doing it. But guys, please don't throw out your food. Come on. There's so many hungry people. So think about, think about where your food waste is going. Yes. And thank you, Colin, and thank you to my co-host, Sophie Von Haselberg, and our amazing guest this week. And thank you to all of our listeners. Please stay safe. And hey, we'll see you for Chip Hour next Wednesday. We are hoping it will be a celebratory, very fun Chip Hour. Got a surprise. Boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a really good surprise. Okay. We love you. Bye. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.